Warning, the following podcast contains discussion of celebrities, drag queens, and the jowls of the last lion. Listener discretion is advised. Where's the bomber? I really wouldn't give it to a normal person. That's my bane. Here it comes. Sorted confessions of two men with nothing in common but an accent. I am James. And I am Matt. So, Matt, we've been through a lot since the last episode. So, yeah, there was that time that we got also accused of murder. We had to go before a trial with nothing but Cowboy Bob and our wits to defend us. Your Honor, these two gentlemen who stand before me are guilty of nothing more than producing a popular podcast. Well, popular in quotation marks. That's what got our case thrown out. <laughs> um, there was also the time that we tried to sell missile secrets to the Russians. That didn't end up too good. We killed six guys in Istanbul. but yeah. it was We're actually in a gulag right now. That's why, <laughs> if you notice, there's a little bit of an echo. It's, you know, the gulag. Yeah, the good thing is, though, is that since we're both straight men, we got the nice gulag. Uh-huh. Don't Don't let Putin find out you're gay in Russia. And it was also the uh, time we hitchhiked across the country. That was crazy. We, we ran afoul of that small town sheriff. Yeah. We uh, we picked up another hitchhiker, Brad Pitt. Uh, I, of course, had sex with him while you killed a guy. And then we got Cowboy Bob to come in again. He was our <laughs> lawyer that time again. He got our money back from Brad Pitt. He put uh, murder in quotations, and we beat the case again. He's a he's a uh, legal fox, that Cowboy Bob. He pinned it all on a ham sandwich in Boston. God damn it, Cowboy Bob, that ham sandwich had a family. Yes, yes, but, uh... In uh, addition to all that, (laughs) we also (laughs) went through the holiday season, the most dreaded season of all. Yes, because, uh, last time we recorded, it was right after Black Friday, and, uh, yeah, you had some good stories about that, but, uh, what about the stuff that's after Black Friday, the part that the retailers don't care about, a.k.a. Christmas and New Year's, they don't really care about that. After you've bought your products, they don't care. You just wasted them. <laughs> Be gone, long one. <laughs> Mr. Walton, no. Uh, the things got pretty hectic at work the weeks following Black Friday. Just with how absolutely packed that store would be on a daily basis. And I have to tell you, the worst kind of customer to deal with is the last-minute shopper. When you're working on Christmas Eve, you're only getting the most inconsiderate people in the world. Yeah. All the good people have already bought their shit for the people they love. Most like, people buying stuff on Christmas Eve, they're the people who stay around the cashier looking for shit, like, you know, the impulse buys and stuff. Yeah, it's a store filled with deadbeat dads. Did you see my dad there? <laughs> he was trying to buy you a new hat. Oh, wait, wait, never mind. He's not a deadbeat. He beat someone dead one time. That's right. I got mixed up. Got confused. It was a beat poet, so you yeah. got it all mixed up. Dig on this. Um, I've been guilty of that myself a few times to uh, being a last minute shopper, but I've never done it on Christmas Eve, which I assume is like if at that point, uh, you know, you get ready to leave and some people won't leave, you just put them on level like Hitler or something. <laughs> I would assume. Yeah, I've been both someone who's worked at Walmart on Christmas Eve and has also been abandoned at a Walmart while shopping on Christmas Eve. Oh, no. Nah. Uh-oh. Is it time for me to break out the little violin? <laughs> to be fair, I wasn't alone. This was when I was about 15 or 16. My mom and I were shopping with my sister, mm-hmm. and they had a fight, so my sister just decided to leave, and she was all right. <laughs> so we were just trapped in a sea of flesh trying to work our cell phones to get somebody to come and pick us up. Because, you know, that's what Christmas is all about. So... Question, did you make it out? Because I'm assuming that you're still in that Walmart to this day. You're actually in the electronic section. That's why you got a job at Walmart. It's just convenient, you know, the commute. James, James died five years ago. <laughs> the Phantom of the Walmart, that's you. I strike again. 
You've got like the little smiley face guy. You got like half of his face stapled to your head <laughs> as a mask. But uh, eventually, my sister, I guess, was visited by three ghosts on the way to Burger King. <laughs> so about an hour later, she uh, changed her mind and came and picked us up. And you said, "God bless us, everyone." They said, "Shut the fuck up, James." She saw a vision of me. You know, my tiny tendons had finally taken over. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am. He's just one giant tendon now. Like, is there any hope for tendon Tim? <laughs> I see a computer chair next Christmas, but no one's sitting in it. Uh, oh, shit. Um, the worst thing that happened this year, the thing that solidified the holiday season for me, just two or three days before Christmas, I was working near the pets department and just going about my business. Well, all of a sudden, a customer nudges me and says, Sir, I think you need to take care of that. Uh-oh. So I turn around. I walk into one of the aisles. And someone had shit on the floor. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought I had my mother house. <laughs> and at first I thought, okay, we're right by infants, so it was probably a kid. Then I looked again, and I was like, no, that was either a grown man or someone had their pet bear in the store. Because it was a fucking mountain, and a smaller mountain in front of it, and a drop in front of that. How do you just get away with doing that? You I know, don't cause... know. And it wasn't diuretic at all. Yeah, so it's just a normal it, guy's duke. Yeah, so it's, it's just reasonable that he had to be there squatting for at least a minute or two. A guy was looking for dog colors and then just thought, oh, pooping time. I mean, because shitting your pants and some of it coming out is a tragedy. Dropping your pants is a fucking choice. And here's what pissed me off about this. The fact that we were only... 200 feet away from the bathroom. Oh, really? Wow. See, if it had been on the other side of the store, I could understand. If it had <laughs> been right in front of the bathroom, I would understand. But we were just close enough to the bathroom for that guy to have made a choice. So what you're saying is you're fine with people shitting in the floors as long as it's from a uh, long distance away, right? Well, I understand. If it had been far away or right by it, I can understand that that's an accident. Yeah. But no, somebody made the deliberate choice to repaint our floor. What's amazing is, and I didn't know this, there is apparently a grocery store floor duke protocol. It's like the second I found my boss and told her about it, they fucking organized. There were like three managers there. They had the aisle closed off. It was like somebody called in a bomb threat. You had like the SWAT team running, hop, 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 with a bunch of mops. We took witnesses in. We waterboarded a guy. You said you heard three farts. Three farts. Not two. There were three farts that day. Get it right. You smack a guy upside the head. Tell me what you know. If you need anyone to investigate the case, I do know a former boy detective. <laughs> that would be your eventual fate, wouldn't it? Matt Johnson, dump detective. The former boy detective in this, the case of the wayward shit. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of horrible spinoff of Chew. <laughs> There's a detective who can just smell shit and think, oh, that came from this guy. Oh, I'm getting all of his memories. He had a rough oh. childhood. It wins all the Eisners. I can get behind that. <laughs> um, after Stoolgate, I ended up having a pretty decent Christmas. Uh, I saw Moonshine exchanged as a gift. All right. Yeah, I, I take it you didn't partake of any. I didn't, because if I'm going to start drinking, it's not going to be on Christmas that's reserved for baby Jesus. I don't drink on baby <laughs> Jesus' birthday. That's like detonating a nuclear bomb in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> Just, those are two things that should not go together. Uh, it was pretty nice. Uh, one thing that surprised me is this year I received a very special gift. Matt, from now on, the two of us can go anywhere we imagine with a book. Yes, you've joined you've joined the the digital uh, legions like me. Yes. Oh, yes, I am paper no more. Ah, 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 ah. Ah, 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 ah
Oh my god, he's going mad. He's going mad with the Kindle, or whatever it is that you've got, your device. Oh, I don't have that backed up on my Kindle. Oh, oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a Android Trio. Nice. Uh, do you like it so far? Yeah, it's extremely nifty. I, I never expected I would use a tablet that much. It's amazing just how convenient it is to have a computer you don't have to wait 20 minutes on to boot up. I like that uh, your reaction to this. Uh, gift was that it's nifty. <laughs> you said nifty. I like that. Why it's, not pretty, the, it's pretty neat. Why not the bee's knees? Oh, it was applesauce. <laughs> um, you've joined us at the Cyberman. You have been upgraded. So Today is a tablet. Tomorrow it's a lobotomy. Don't worry. Don't worry. The future will come. As long as I get to battle Warwick Davis. He's had it too good for too long. I don't know. Fucker. Life's too don't. short. My ass. It's not fair that he got to hug Carrie Fisher while she was still reasonably attractive. <laughs> hey, Carrie Fisher is still a peach, I assume. <laughs> yeah, a uh, giant peach. That's, that's right. She, she's gotten fat. That's what I'm saying. Um, Little do we know that she actually morphed into Lyndall Hamilton. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> um, I guess as far as me, um, I had a pretty normal holidays. Uh, <laughs> most of the holidays has been spent helping my dad. Steal Christmas. <laughs> You're a mean one, Mikey J. He, uh, now he learned the meaning of true Christmas a couple years ago in his heart. Uh, didn't really grow, but, uh, his rage shrunk. What happened to Mike Johnson that year, they say? Well, in Georgia, they say his fist grew three sizes that day. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah! Thank you, Santa. So many people got punched out that year. It was crazy. <laughs> so much hair everywhere. Uh, but no, um, I was helping him uh, work on uh, the truck. He's, his truck's been messing up. Uh, it's still not right for some reason. I can't figure out the battery. Uh, the battery seems like it's fine. Everything seems like it's fine, but it won't start unless you push it. Like you know, you get it rolling. Like it give it like a rolling jump. Uh, and luckily we live on hill, so almost like a steamship. Like whenever he leaves the house, I have to. Uh, he puts the truck in neutral, and I have to push, push it down the hill while while it coasts and gains up uh, speed, momentum, and then that charges the battery, and he's able to start it up and drive away. It's all part of your dad's eventual plan to have a Flintstone car. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Take that, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, see that those. Uh, those pterodactyls have had it too good for too long. We need cement mixtures again, James. We need them. Meanwhile, PJ is just pouring water on your dad in the shower. It's a living. <laughs> um, so to me, that brings up the thing that we talked about, like, I think earlier this year, the whole poverty thing that, yeah, while it sucks to be poor, sometimes you can make it into an adventure. <laughs> and, that, you know, that's just the fun, knowing when you go somewhere, well, <laughs> am I going to be able to drive back or am I walking home? I don't know yet. Anything could happen. Yes, but uh, life is my GPS. That that aside, uh, I had a pretty pretty nice Christmas. Uh, mostly got some clothes for Christmas, which uh, I needed some new shirts, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, I got a couple books too, mostly biographical. Biogastic. Biogastic books. The biographies or biographical. That's what they are. They're so goddamn biographical. It made me cry. But and, uh, uh, I saw your Churchill swag. You were yeah, posting some photos uh, over there. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's like a giant three-volume biography on the life and times of Winston Churchill. It goes from like when he was born in 1874 up until when he dies in the 60s. So, Tell me, is there um, an entire volume about his jowls? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no. But... Uh, I mean, at three volumes, Jesus, what else did they have to talk about? What drinks he liked? He did kind of uh, guide a country through two world wars. Uh, Britain. <laughs> the British Empire, James, was more than just Britain. Come on. India was there, too. They did stuff. He had those Daleks to contend with. It wasn't just America, James. Come on. You're so, you're so American-centric. You know, we didn't win both world wars. We had help. Someone had to hold our drinks while we fought. Well, I was taught in school that World War II was just America fighting the other America. <laughs> and when Captain Kirk ripped that hole open into that parallel world, we had to battle Dark America. 
I know you're joking, but you're so good. <laughs> we don't joke about history on this podcast. Yeah, that's one thing. We draw the line there, James. Everything is fair game except for history. All right, you don't fuck with history. Oh, God, he's going to blow. History. I have to say, though, your slide of history has made me feel a bit outrageous. <laughs> Enough to say that you are outraged by the outrageousness of it? Yes. I'm outraged, James. Historically outraged. Your new podcast. Historical <laughs> outrage. That's, that's not a bad idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stash that in the ideal folder. But, uh... First of all, everybody remembers World War II wrong. That, my friends, is some bullshit. There's no co-host. It's just you going on monologues. I can deal with that, but, uh, yeah, your outrage has hit me in the most biographical way possible. <laughs> I've been wounded. I can see that being your biography. Matt Johnson profiles an outrage. Oh, okay, I was thinking Matt Johnson, a biographical. <laughs> That'd be the sub-subtitle. Just a paparazzi photo of you raging. Oh, it's blurry, like you're fucking Bigfoot or something. Well, I am fucking Bigfoot in that photo. <laughs> he had it coming. He knows what he did. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that brings us to this episode's subject. Outrage, Matt. Outrage, James. We all explode with it at a moment's notice. <laughs> we've all been, we've all had our delicate sensibilities uh, violated. We've all said, why? Well, I never. Seems like to me, the way that outrage is like nowadays, anyway, the, uh, one of the more common, <laughs> common conditions of the, of, of the human condition, I guess I would say. It's outrage and offense seem to be the two most things you always hear about nowadays. Yeah, we seem to, as a culture, at least over here in America, it seems to be our default reaction to everything. Yeah. At least in the past 20 years, it's been that way. Yeah. It, is, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. If it's bad, it's, oh, that's outrageous, you suck. If it's good, oh, that's outrageous, you're awesome. Now, here's a question. Where do you think that necessarily comes from? Do you think it's uh, something engineered or that's the natural reaction to our culture, just realizing that certain things are bullshit? Uh, you talking about like the way that we've – like it seems like the way our culture is nowadays where uh, we're constantly like, – like we said in the state of offense and outrage. I think that just comes from uh, – the fact that, uh, and again, this comes back to another uh, someone we've had to take the task in the past. Uh, the media, I think they, most of it comes from the media. I feel, uh, and then to be fair, like the feelings of outrage and protest and offense, all this stuff, it's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. But I think with the proliferation, I used a big word, uh, hey. yeah, the proliferation of the internet, that. Uh, Outrage has become something that's it's a lot easier to voice, and you know the whole thing about the internet gives everybody a voice. And uh, to paraphrase Ben Affleck and Kevin Smith, everyone has chosen to use that voice to bitch about stuff, and that's what we do. Uh, I think it's somewhere in between. Like I think in a lot of the outrage that you see these days, and I've seen over the past few years, is in its roots justified. The best way I could describe it is that period you have when you're a teenager where you're just pissed off about everything because you finally reached the age of reason where you realize that the world is full of shit. Yeah. I kind of think that Western culture has reached that point. That we see ourselves for being as full of shit as we are. Kind of, and just... We're, I think as a culture, we're frustrated by the way things have been in the past. I mean, that's where we got the... Super politically correct, think of the children 90s, was just everybody kind of looking around realizing, wow, we think some really shitty things, don't we? <laughs> and the outrage is sort of the negative outcome of that. Yeah, and I think, too, that sort of gets back to a technological thing uh, with you talking about how we can see through sort of certain myths and things that people hadn't seen in the past. I think that's because of the widespread ability of uh, – Availability of information. Oh, definitely. You didn't have that in the 20s and 30s where you got all your news from a newspaper and the radio, which were biased and very local uh, in their own way. And to be fair, I mean, as we talked about in the media, I mean, <laughs> the media still is biased today as they are. I mean, <laughs> well, now we only rely on William Randolph Hearst for 40% of our information. Exactly. 
Uh, and then the other 60, of course, Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> Who actually is William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. He has a Lazarus He's... pit. Say it's not true. Say it. You can't. William Randolph Hearst is the master. We know this. <laughs> that makes too much sense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think some of that comes from a genuine place, but like you were saying, a lot of it is artificially generated. Mm-hmm. It's because of how tense people are on their own. I think there are a lot of people with less than savory intentions who saw that at a certain point and just started building on it and building on it to the point where even the people who are continuing to build on it don't realize they're building on it. It's just the self-perpetuating machine of we're pissed off because we're pissed off because we're pissed off because we're pissed off. And like the people who uh, I guess are sometimes the target of the outrage or – the people who are behind the target in that rage, they don't care. Or they're all for it just because of uh, – which is probably one of the stories we'll talk about. Outrage and uh, criticism and things like that. It gets you mentioned, and you know, especially with today's society and the way these people who are seemingly famous for doing nothing or very little, uh, the more you get talked about, the, the better off you are. Of getting more money, so you know people act outrageous. People will uh, be polarizing in the sake of getting attention. Well, that's just because there's so much stuff yeah. that we're assaulted with every day that things have to be turned up to eleven. Yeah, and that's again is uh, like a consequence of technology because of you know all the stuff. Again, going back to the twenties and thirties, you know you didn't have television and cable TV and satellite TV, and you didn't have the internet with literally millions of web pages that you could find nearly anything. So that uh, that attention is, instead of being concentrated, it's uh, all over the place now. And yeah, yeah I mean, you have to make noise to get that concentration gathered and pointed at you. I mean, go back 40 years and look at, you know, William F. Buckley debating politics on television. He's like, oh, here's what I think about the politics of Teddy Kennedy. And then you turn on Fox News, and it's, ah! <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, the screaming maniacs get all the attention. People love Which, it. And it's weird, because that whole uh, mode of communication seemed to take on in the late 80s and 90s, but by people like you know, MTV. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the rage you see on outlets like Fox News is a very Generation X rage. This is is this suddenly going to become Fight Club. <laughs> we're all we are all all singing, all dancing crap in the world. We won't be millionaires, and we're pissed off about it. I mean, the O'Reilly factor is you know, the heavy metal of news. <laughs> I mean, Fox News is a grunge news network. <laughs> Except instead of talking, you know, to kids in the suburbs, they're saying, "Hey, you Republicans, isn't life horrible? Let's talk about how sad we all are." Yeah. And I'll, also how much the president sucks. Don't forget about that. <laughs> how could we? But yeah, uh, these people who, if it were anywhere else, any other world, they might not be known. And I'm not going to say that because there have been cases of like, pretty sure like if Jersey Shore was in Victorian England, uh, it would be a massive success. It would be, of course, you know, uh, a book series or a series of articles uh, with, you know, Mike uh, – the Sticky Situation, or whatever his name is. <laughs> Isn't that his name? The Sticky Situation? or I think it's just The Situation. situation. The Sticky Situation is in Vivid Entertainment's This Ain't Jersey Shore, which also stars The Situation and Snooky. Like, you see, if you take that back to Victorian England, like, you know, you'd have a man, the occurrence or something is what he'd call himself, uh, who'd be just as dumb, stupid, but, you know, he'd still be a massive success just because... So stuff like that, or I think that's just uh, people. Again, it's not really so much people evolving with technology as it's technology evolving with the people to fit the people's needs. Uh, but uh, anyway, my, my my horrible metaphor of comparing a uh, show that went off the air what two three years ago with Victorian England. Oh aside, no, no, that that was a success because now all I can think of is. A Victorian version of Jersey Shore that's just Cockneys. <laughs> uh, it's scandalous because the ladies wear uh, wear skirts that come up to their ankles. 
Instead of tanning themselves, they're just greening their teeth. <laughs> JTS all the way. That is something I've noticed about our culture that seems to be getting more and more intense as it goes on is just how angry we are and just how we seem hungry for uh, i don't know it's we seem as a country to be obsessed with revenge and payback and that guy getting what's coming to him and somebody talking about what's bullshit about this and something you don't really see in other countries cultures at least not to that extent yeah it seems uh, like we, we're a country of people who all feel like we've been wronged somehow yeah but then again, I think uh, that might come back to uh, – again, I feel like I'm, I'm giving you a pessimistic – my pessimistic views on the human race. But, yeah, that – I mean, that's typically what people do when something bad happens. They look for someone else to blame. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, that's what happens. Uh, like I said, I don't think that's necessarily limited to America. But, that's not uh, limited to us, but there's just that – it seems to be a characteristic of the West. Just that specific type of anger, like that idea of, like, we have so much, but fuck you, we should have more. Yeah. Where's my satellite TV? <laughs> yeah, and that's true, but still, like, the most people who are like that, they're the same people who, and I'm going to get political here for a second, James. Get political. Those are the same people who bitch about, like, giving wealthy people taxes, more taxes and stuff, and equal redistribution of the wealth, uh... They complain about not having stuff, but yet they don't want to try to better their society. And like I said, I don't want to get into a political debate because I'm pretty sure that while I say that, there's someone out there who feels the exact opposite as I feel about that. So uh, we can can, can save that for uh, another spinoff, Below the Voter Belt. (laughs) Voter suppression, Matt. We've all participated in. Who out there hasn't violated the Civil Rights Act of 1964? Hands? Yeah, see, that's what I thought. We've all done it. Hey, who's that motherfucker with the black glove? <laughs> but, uh, you mentioned earlier, we were talking about celebrities and their outrageous things. Uh, there's been a bit of a controversy in the past few weeks concerning uh, Phil Roberson from Duck Dynasty. It's, of course, our favorite show. <laughs> The show about the Johnson family. <laughs> you, of course, you, uh, you're technically an employee of Duck Dynasty because last time I went to Walmart, like 90% of their shit was Duck Dynasty. I'm pretty sure Uncle Cy won us in a poker game. I realized that Duck Dynasty had become something truly uh, momentous whenever I was in a flea market, and I saw someone had done a custom portrait of Uncle Cy saying, Roll Tide, Jack. <laughs> um, the thing that convinced me was I saw a commercial on late night TV for <laughs> Doug Dynasty Chia Pit. <laughs> I've seen those. They're amazing. <laughs> Have a bushy green beard, yes. Oh, I've seen uh, Duck Dynasty Uncle Cy Santa Clauses, Duck Dynasty Dolls. We have Duck Dynasty Banks. Duck Banks? Oh, yeah, Talking Duck Dynasty Banks with oh, little banks. cartoon okay. I thought you meant like like an actual like bank <laughs> of Duck Dynasty, like you pull up and like, you know, there's a bunch of bearded guys uh, taking your money. But uh, they, and, you, they pay you only in dough urine. <laughs> I think I've talked about this. Uh, we've talked about them before, but I've never been a fan of Duck Dynasty just because I find them disingenuous. Uh, oh, so – I've uh, people out there like to talk about it, but uh, there's uh, some online I saw this. There's these photos of the people from Duck Dynasty like like ten years ago, and you see them ten years ago, and they just look like rich white people, uppy, yuppies and stuff. Like they're wearing the collared shirts, they've got blonde hair, clean shaven faces, and khakis. But uh, then once they get this reality show, they want to wear the camouflage and. Uh, grow their beards out, you know, very uh, very much in the way that this expected them to be for them being like, from Louisiana and being these uh, these rich people. But that, that's to me, like I said, that's what I always felt like in, in the past that I felt like they were putting on. So, yeah, Whenever I heard there was a Duck Dynasty controversy, that's what I thought it was. 
You thought so? Uncle Cy just walked out in front of paparazzi. This real enough for you? Pulls off his fake beard. <laughs> I'm from Boston. One of the guys who's in the show, he's Larry the Cable Guy. Come on. Why not, real? He's from Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, something that's always really turned me off about that show is just how overly staged every second of it yeah. feels. It doesn't even follow the loose rules of a reality show. It's pretty much just a pre-written sitcom. Yeah. See, I haven't, I haven't seen any of it, uh, but that's what I was going to say. All reality shows are fake at this point. Uh, yeah, Duck Dynasty is the same thing that turned me off about Comic Book Men, which is just Duck Dynasty with nerds. <laughs> or, or is it, or is it uh, Duck Dynasty with even bigger rednecks? You don't know. Possibly. But, uh, something that's always bothered me is turning real people into characters. Yeah. Which, and we've seen, you know, the fallout of that recently with, surprise, surprise, the dad on Duck Dynasty doesn't like gay people. Doesn't like gay people. And while I found it was weird that while everyone was freaking out about the gay stuff, which they should have, uh, what really shocked me was the stuff he said about black people in the same interview. Oh, I didn't, I did not hear about yeah, that. Yeah, see? Everyone focuses on the gay stuff, which, like I said, it's bad, but what he's saying is the same stuff people against gay people have been saying for years about it being blasphemy about a sin. But I need to look at the exact quote, but he talked about when he, he was growing up in Jim Crow South, he thought that black people were happier then than they are today. <laughs> wow. That was back in the day when a man knew his place. Above a black man. Uh, and then also, apparently, another video came out of him a couple of years ago saying that it was all right to marry 15-year-olds. <laughs> that's one thing that's kind of surprised me about the outrage over it is, I don't know, I'm kind of in the middle. On one hand, yes, that's fucking horrible. Fuck that guy forever. At the same time, is it really shocking that... A member of the super Christian redneck family that does nothing but talk about how super Christian and redneck they are has super Christian redneck beliefs. Yes. It's like I always assumed that they didn't care for gay people and that they were probably racist. Yeah. Um, I looked up what he said. He talked about growing up on a farm in Louisiana uh, and how he grew up with white people and how uh, they were singing and happy. I never heard one of one white person say – I tell you what, these doggone white people, not a word, pre-entitlement, pre-welfare, pre you say, were they happy? They were godly. They were happy. No one was singing the blues. Wait, he just said they were singing and happy. Yeah. Yeah, they were singing. They were singing fucking spirituals, man. About dying and going to heaven because it was better than this shitty world they were living in. <laughs> but the the thing that I guess released, well, uh, the theme of the show was what he was saying was that it caused outrage both liberal and conservative outrage. Um, of course, the liberal people said, you know, what he was saying was wrong and offensive. He should apologize. Uh, A&E suspended him. And then all of the conservatives and the people who are fans of Duck Dynasty were, uh, you know, were wanting him back. And I can't tell you of like the weeks this crap went on, how many people I saw on Facebook liking some kind of Phil Robertson support thing. All Pretty much all my friends but me liked it. You even liked it, James. I know you did. Hey, I just believe in justice for Phil. <laughs> happy, happy, happy 2014. Yeah, my Facebook exploded as well. Yeah. The thing that frustrated me was them saying, it's a free speech issue. It's like, no, free speech does not entitle you to a platform. Yeah. Free speech does not mean that you can you're entitled to a fucking TV show. Nobody seems offended by A&E's right to fire an employee being challenged. Yeah. And like you said, free speech, now if he'd been arrested for saying this, then that's a violation of free speech. Yeah. It's like if the store I worked at fired me for saying something ridiculous to a customer, and I said, this is a violation of free speech. Yeah. No, I'm their employee, and they can fire me for anything, especially and if like it's something shitty. On the flip side of that, a uh, couple uh, – I think it was last – or back in November, uh, a reporter or an anchor from MSNBC, uh, Martin Bashir, he's you know very left-wing. Uh, he said – who was made famous by interviewing crazy-ass Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, he said some disparaging comments about Sarah Palin, and he got fired for that. 
So, you know, again, that wasn't a, a right uh, thing on his free speech. It was just him saying something he shouldn't have said using the platform that he had. And, you know, and speaking of Sarah Palin, actually, when all this stuff happened, you know, one of the biggest supporters of this Robertson guy was was the former governor of Alaska and the woman who very nearly could have been the vice president of the United States. Dear God. Dear God. Lisa Ann. <laughs> oh, I wish. But no, she came out in support of Phil Robertson saying, you know, he had the right to say this, blah, 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 Second Amendment or First Amendment shit. And then she was interviewed and they asked her about why she supported him because he used, you know, all this stuff about black people and uh, defending homosexuality. Here's what she said. This was days after her statement. Quote, I haven't read the article. I don't know exactly how he said it, unquote. <laughs> and see, that's the thing that causes people all this shit to happen. When people open their mouth, make comments about statements without being fully informed. And that goes back to where we were talking about earlier. People just want to rage without any thought, without any reason. They just want to make noise and get people talking about them, whatever the price. Both to promote themselves and also... To make them feel like they're the one shining light raging against the darkness. Everybody wants to be a hero. Yeah. And they'll pick whatever side they think will best make them do that. And again, that's a very pessimistic view to have about people, but stop me when I'm wrong. We're pessimistic here at Below the Bible Belt. I will say that... It's not the, above the Bible Belt. It's not half full above the Bible it's Belt. It's a shot right below the Bible Belt, right in the nuts. Uh, A.K.A. Mississippi. I say the one person to blame for Sarah Palin is John McCain. You did this, John McCain. You brought her upon the world. This is why the Vietnamese released him so we could wreak this anarchy. It's we like knew old it. boy. Question not while you were imprisoned. Question while you were released. <laughs> also, Sarah Palin is his daughter. Spoilers. She's also uh, his half daughter with Ho Chi Minh's sister. Uh, she's half Vietnamese. This is the revenge, James. <laughs> This is why he went insane in his later years. He couldn't handle that. They're both Vietnamese sleeper agents. I knew it. He cut his own tongue out to protect the secret. <laughs> but, uh, this brings me to something that's been on my mind lately. Uh-oh, uh-oh. You gotta get off your chest. Is something grinding your gears? Are you cheesed off? A friend of mine and I were having a long discussion about this last week. How we're willing to forgive celebrities of certain things, but then the exact sin will be committed by another celebrity, and we don't talk about that person anymore. Mm. I mean, Mel Gibson beats up a woman. He's dead to us now. Charlie Sheen beats up a woman, and he's America's bad boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just how to beat... That's going to sound so bad, but Mel Gibson, on top of that, you had the anti-Semitic thing. So you're saying the Jews did this to him? Wow. <laughs> wow. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it seems like, and uh, again, that's going to make me sound like a fucking conservative talk show host, but I almost feel like racism is the most unforgivable sin you can do in America today. Like, look at like Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis may have helped kill two people, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. You know, it, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, but... Racism may be the most thing that it seems like it's the hardest for someone to come back from, unless you're Paula Dean. Yeah, but there are weird exceptions. I mean, uh, Eric Clapton is racist as a motherfucker, and he's still a beloved rock and roll legend. Speaking of rock and roll, look at Robert Plant. He kidnapped a 14-year-old girl for over ah, a decade. Jimmy Page. Oh, Jimmy Page, I'm sorry. Robert Plant was a saint. Robert Plant just made a girl fuck a shark one time. <laughs> That's what he did. I mean, Roman Polanski... You know, anally raped a 14-year-old girl at Jack Nicholson's house, and he's still a beloved director. Yeah, but they weren't racist is what I'm saying. <laughs> You've got me there, man. Ah, yes, checkmate. So you're saying that racism is the only thing America finds unforgivable? I think, I don't know, maybe not the only thing, but... Mark Wahlberg, he beat the shit out of a black guy and gave him brain damage in what was deemed a hate crime. We forgive him. Planet of the Apes. You know. <laughs> he, he battled General his... Thade. We forgive him. <laughs> he served his time making that movie. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it just depends on – sometimes it, I guess it depends on the context and 
and your PR sometimes. I feel like you got working on your side. That really helps a lot. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure what goes behind that about, you know, like you said, certain celebrities like that. How but do you think, and again, we're getting cynical here, but do you think it's just we like certain shitty people more than we like other shitty people? Yeah. I can I definitely see that with, like, the Charlie Sheen case. Like, Charlie Sheen was a train wreck, but he was an amusing train wreck, as opposed to Mel Gibson, who, you know, was drunk and, again, saying anti-Semitic things, as was Charlie Sheen. He was, you know, making fun of his one of his bosses at that uh, TV uh, two-and-a-half man he was doing was Jewish, and he kept saying anti-Semitic things about him. So And called John Cryer a faggot. And a troll. So he's three for three. <laughs> But yeah, and, I think and going maybe, back, like Jack Nicholson, I mean, look what went down at his house. Yet he's Uncle Jack. We love him. It's kind of depressing to think that we can be that shallow as a people. Yeah, I will say though that that stuff about Jack Nicholson puts him flirting with Jennifer Lawrence in a whole new light. Yeah, instead of him being like, you know, all oh, that like, guy, he's just playing up a persona. Oh my God, Jennifer Lawrence, don't go anywhere near him again. <laughs> Don't go to Jack Nicholson's bungalow. Please. The only place that's outside <laughs> the laws of God and man. I will say that the whole murder thing, the one thing that I feel like is the big, uh, uh, I guess, the exception to that rule about the whole racism thing is that uh, O.J., <laughs> he may or may not have killed two people allegedly. and There were no more naked gun movies for him. <laughs> I will tell you what O.J.'s cardinal sin was that ruined him for the American people. He became annoying. You think so? Like the trial and stuff? Yeah. Everybody loved the juice when he might have killed somebody and was going to trial, but after that became all anybody talked about for yeah. years, like, we were sick of him. Yes. It's like Mel Gibson. Uh, we were done with him, so yeah, we'll hate him. Yeah. But who it's knows what Charlie Sheen will do next? Let's keep him around. Although it was funny that you bring up Charlie Sheen because, like, I was talking about him the other day because, like, his whole – when he went crazy, his whole shtick wore thin on me very quickly. Like, I thought it was funny, like, the first time I saw it. Then after the second time, I was like, okay, that's pretty much what he said the last time. Then I saw it the third time. I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to pay attention to anything oh. this guy's saying anymore. Yeah, I'm a big fan of crazy talk, so that first interview was a source of hilarity. Yeah. But, uh – after a while, it became this really weird thing where he was self-destructing for the cameras, and it became like the entire country was his drug enabler. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's a good point because people like that, uh, attention sometimes can be like a drug. And it's going to make me feel sad for this generation that, you know, oh, look, there's Charlie Sheen eating out of the trash, like – <laughs> I mean, what we saw with Charlie Sheen was essentially the world's first unfilmed reality show. That's what essentially what it was, the new media reality show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of it being on one channel, it was across several channels and platforms. You're right. I've, I've never thought about that. That's something unique, though. I don't think we've seen so far. <laughs> Turns out Charlie Sheen is the Orson Welles of our time. <laughs> uh, give it 20 years, he'll be drunk. Doing a champagne commercial. Oh, the French champagne! <laughs> Duh, winning. But, uh, moving away from celebrities for a bit. Yes. Let's go to something a little closer to home. Something a bit more fabulous, perhaps? That's right. A bit of local outrage that comes from the South. It came from the South. This Christmas, in addition to Shitgate, I'm sorry, Stoolgate. Stoolgate, yeah. That sounds more classy. <laughs> there was also a bit of local controversy. Very local, I gotta and, say. Yes, this happened in my hometown, down the street from me. <laughs> the place where you've walked many times with your little attendance. I'm just going to read the headline because it's a doozy. Surprise! Alabama town accidentally invites black drag queens to perform in Christmas Parade. A.K.A. one of the best headlines of all time. Oh, the most exciting thing that's happened to Sims since electricity. Or the time you got that horse. Yeah. So it's been a busy three years. 
<laughs> Sims, Alabama is a town of some 300 mostly white and conservative people located just outside of Mobile, Alabama. I will vouch for that. Yes. You put although that on the record. Although it's 3001, Becky Sue just had a baby. <laughs> the town puts on an annual Christmas parade that's organized by a group called Friends of Sims. And this year, the group unwittedly invited some guests that they apparently did not vet so well. These guests were none other than the Prancing Elites, which is an amazing name. A group of five young black men from Mobile who happened to be gay. They have been around since 2006 and were formed in part because males were not allowed to audition for the dance teams in their schools. Now, I've actually heard of them before. They were in the news uh, earlier this year, whenever they were featured on Jezebel. So they are a local drag group. <laughs> Let's be honest, James. You applied there to join Yes. Them. You wanted to join their crew. You wanted to get jumped. Although to get jumped into joining that gang initiation, I assume, would be a little different than some gangs. Yeah, I was once again kicked out due to my tiny tendons. First the Marines, what? now this. <laughs> I can't go to either side. You should have done your pirouettes for him, Ballerina boy. That's, I mean, that's the, almost sounds like the name of a drag queen, so... Believe in yourself, James. Believe in yourself. I do. <laughs> uh, their style of dance is called J-setting, a form of cheerleader-style hip-hop. It also happens to be, according to the Prancing Elite's Kickstarter page, because everyone has one these days. <laughs> what do you need? I guess, like, with a dance crew, they need help doing their kicks. So they start kicks with the Kickstarter. Somebody has to pay for those fabulous outfits. <laughs> you know how much sequins cost nowadays, James? Samantha don't bedazzle for free. Exactly. But, uh, it also happens to be, according to their Kickstarter page, very popular in southern black gay nightclubs. <laughs> of which there's those two in Alabama. Uh, none in Mississippi. Puh. That's going to be our first Below the Bible Belt road trip. We have got to record an episode inside of an Alabama black gay nightclub. Yes, I could get by that. The Black Bear. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh... The funny thing is, I go to this parade every year and have... So, so wait, we have a first-hand account from our special Southern correspondent, James Lewis? That's the thing. I am outraged by this, but only because this is the one year I didn't go. Oh, my God. That, something about that just seems so fitting. I, I have gone to this boring-ass-fuck parade... For close to four years in a row now, the one year I decide to skip it because it's boring as fuck, we get drag queens. Oh, the Lewis look. The Lewis look. I'm, I'm always cheated out of my drag queens. At that parade, at the very end, the citizens of Sims were shocked to find a group of gay black men in Mrs. Claus outfits. <laughs> prancing around in front of their children. <laughs> Which led to the greatest photo from my town I have ever seen. I'm going to show this to you. It'll be in the show notes. Just look at the intensity on those gay men's faces as they pirouette. <laughs> While Steve and Joe just sit there like, Oh, I don't know about this. I like the guy sucking the lollipop. You know what he's thinking. <laughs> Uh, look, just look at that one kid on the right. The wonder in his eyes. Like, he knows what he wants to be now. I like the the girl, like, in the red shirt. The confusion on her face. What am I watching? This is going to be the first scene in his biopic, Born to Prance. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, as far as, like, town events go, I would say that this... You now have trumped my hometown's uh, founder getting drunk and falling off a horse. Uh, the funny thing is, this parade isn't just anywhere. This parade is held directly in front of the Winn-Dixie I used to work at. <laughs> so I can look at these men dancing around and see landmarks. Like, oh, there's Eddie's Pawn Store. Um, so you weren't there for the event, but did you hear any murmurs in the town uh, the following days? Once again, my Facebook page exploded. The first comment I read about it was... I'd understand if this was Mardi Gras, but this is Christmas. So gays are only allowed on special occasions. It's like the fine china. I mean, you don't bring out your town's gays on just any day. Well, you know, Mardi Gras is sort of like gay Christmas. 
So oh, I thought Gay Christmas was Gay Christmas. When is Gay Christmas? Or is that that's Halloween? That's Gay Christmas, maybe. It's actually held on Arbor Day, if you can believe it. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, that's I saw like you know the people. I think I, I we read the same article, but the people were stunned and shocked. Yeah, it says that. right here. One woman said she had never been so insulted in her life. That the parade was filled with quiet outrage. What I love is that even the people who invited them there were outraged, saying, I had no idea they would be dressed the way they were and that they would think it's appropriate for a Christmas parade. Meanwhile, if you watch the interview with the Branson Elite, they're like, Look at us, lady. What the <laughs> hell did you expect? You invited a fucking drag show to your parade. Did they not do their research? We're men called the prancing elite. What the fuck? You have never seen drag queen so angry unless you've seen a drag queen. I even uh, mentioned in the article, ex-NBA star Shaquille O'Neal gave the group a lot of fame when he pumped them in a tweet back in June. So that's what my town gets for trying to jump on the Shaq train. <laughs> they fell short of the glory of Shaq. We've all done that. Uh... That's just, I don't know, that's just something that's so crazy, and I'm, I'm actually kind of jealous that I wish my town had had Drag Queen show up. It is nice to, once again, be reminded that I live in a town full of humorless rubes who, when faced with anything that's the slightest bit fun or interesting, will explode in mutual outrage. Yeah, they could take men dancing, but just not gay men dancing. Look, we're okay with men having sex with horses, but... Gays for Christmas. Gays for Christmas. I'm not dreaming of a pink Christmas, is what they said. Now, Prancing Elite's leader, Kentrell Collins, said, We are no different than any team out there dancing. We want people to stop looking at gender and focus on the talent. It's okay for a woman to put on tights and play football, but when a man wants to put on a leotard and tights, it's a problem. You go, girl. Or man. Or person. I say if our town really wants to be viewed as progressive, we put our money where his mouth is. Next year, lingerie bowl, right in the town square. Me and cheerleaders, female football players, oh yeah. There's no time for me to get into my sexual hang-ups, James. <laughs> hang-ups, James. We don't want to talk about them. Just women in knee pads, oh yes. <laughs> Alright, moving on. Please, let's move on. Uh, there's actually some, <laughs> some outrage thing that I found out about. People are genuinely pissed about them. So, so far, the outrage topics have been uh, homophobia, uh, a little bit of racism. But this next topic is the most scandalous of it all, James. Light bulbs. No! Yes, light bulbs. And apparently, I didn't realize this, but apparently, uh, starting January 1st of this year, they're changing out light bulbs now. I've heard about this. I'm, this keeps getting brought up, like, once a year yeah. as the deadline comes closer and people so, intentions run high on both sides yeah supposedly this was the year that uh they're getting rid of the traditional uh light bulbs and going with the led you know light bulbs are supposed to be cheaper more cost efficient but uh surprisingly it's not too popular with people what drew me to this was uh one of my former teachers complained about it over the internet this is what she says verbatim. Seriously, y'all want to tell me what kind of light bulbs I should use? Please stay out of my money, my health care, my constitutional <laughs> rights, and now my light bulbs. All right? Health care, money, constitutional rights is one thing. But you draw a line in the sand at light bulbs, James. What would Louis the light bulb think about this? You shall not pass. I thought this was America. Does that mean anything anymore? Unfortunately, I've been combing the internet, but unfortunately... To my dismay, no one has referred to it as an Obama bulb. <laughs> God, I wish they did. Quick, let's go to Redneck's Revenge. I'm sure they've got Obama's face photoshopped on a light bulb. If only he had a good idea. I would be remiss if I did not ask you, Matt. Are you pro or anti-LED? I've only got one LED in my house, and it works pretty nice, so... Uh... You fucking turncoat! You know what, though? The LEDs, the light they put out, makes you invisible to the Obama drones. Shh, I'm playing the long game here, James. 
I hope you know that right now that LED is in your house fucking your wife. <laughs> no! Svetlana. I paid good money for her to come over here from Russia. I will not be denied. Now, has your dad expressed any opinion on this? Because I, I feel the like he bulbs? would be highly opposed to government light bulbs. <laughs> he don't give a damn. <laughs> as long as he can see. That's all he cares about, light bulbs. See, I think he wouldn't like having a room further illuminated. He likes the exact level of light that he has right now. Like, I don't want to see the truth of things. Nah, he's actually, as we discovered in a previous episode, he is a uh, a big proponent of truth, especially when that truth is related to conspiracies and Bigfoot. So. Bigfoot is out there, James. And he's selling Obama bulbs. It finally makes sense. <laughs> That's it. Obama bulbs was the missing piece of this web. Now it seems so clear. Get my shotgun, boy. We're gone squatching. <laughs> but speaking of Obama outrage... I think it's time we pay another visit to our old friend, Wild Bill. All right, I brought up the, uh, the video, and this is actually a new one, because uh, the ones we watched a couple months ago, although I think as we looked, he puts out like three videos a day, so this is probably not surprising. Uh, he's the daily grace of conservative bloggers. He has to compete with Mother Jones on a daily basis. Hey, why do you think you don't see Mr. Pregnant anymore? Took him out. <laughs> So peaceful. I love he made this on PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm dumping Facebook. No! For a full month now. I never I even knew he had a Facebook. We've missed so much. Messages on Facebook. I can't even see who sent them to me. So for all you people who wrote to me, I'm not ignoring you. You don't quit and Facebook. Facebook has not Facebook's given me a single you. response to my inquiries. A lot of people are convinced that Facebook is sabotaging me because they don't like my conservative God and country <laughs> message. Nobody's convinced about that, man. I'm sorry. He is, so he counts as one person. Is that no good Jew, Mark Zuckerberg, a pawn of the Obama administration? Hawking Obama bulbs. Google Plus is the new kid on the block and has some great features that Facebook doesn't have. Oh, God. This is just sad. Google's gotten to him. Now, first Starbucks, now the big G. Goodbye to the kid channel that has put so many of us in Facebook jail just because we challenged Islam or the homosexual agenda or some other left-wing sacred cow. Well, how is Facebook left-wing? Wild Bill for America, LLC. It doesn't like how anyone could like page. things. It's a little communist for his taste. Facebook to continue struggling with it. So please join me at Google+. Plus. You can find me there as either Bill Finlay or as Wild Bill for America. He's working on having his name legally changed to Wild Bill for America. We'll soon have them linked. So let's continue to fight the good fight for God and country. By leaving Facebook in the dust. This is Wild Bill for America. Thank you for watching, and America bless God again. I'm pretty sure this video got literally four people to dump Facebook. Well, it turns out Facebook is just one of Obama's many tools in his domestic spying program. Oh, so that many people like Fight Club. <laughs> he's he's keeping lists. He's checking it twice. You think Santa Claus wanted to give you gifts? No. You get your Obama phones and your Obama bulbs for Christmas every year. That's what you get. Thanks a lot, Obama. I mean, I'm not being sarcastic that time. I like <laughs> all the stuff you give me. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, thanks a lot. You're a good guy. So, seeing as how he's joining Google+, Plus, I assume Wild Bill works for Google. As all the other people who are part of Google+, Plus, yes. Although I do know one friend who, uh, he, he announced on Facebook, I'm quitting Facebook and joining Google+, Plus, and then... Didn't see him on Facebook for about a month, and he come back and said, yeah, there's no one on Google+. Plus." So your friend was Wild Bill? Maybe. I may or may not have deleted my Facebook account, James. You don't know. <laughs> for all I know, you're Wild Bill, and you're just making these videos so we have something to talk about each month. I just like to humor you, James. If that's the case, then I appreciate you picking up the slack. Wild Matt for America, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you just talk about history. Hold on, let me find this quote on my Kindle. Ooh. While Bill's in the pocket of Google, I'm in the pocket of Amazon. <laughs> the only thing that can defeat the Obama drones are the Amazon drones, James. They are the future. It all makes sense. Now that corporations are done buying up characters, now they're moving towards conspiracy theorists. 
<laughs> My God, crazy Walmart conspiracy guy is going to be bought by Disney next. He's going to be appeared in the next Avengers movie. <laughs> is that, at the end of the tag, he's going to be in Walmart talking his nonsense. You think you're the only one? It's Nick Fury. Uh, the League of Conspiracy Theorists. It turns out he was Kang the entire time. <laughs> or possibly Immortus. I haven't figured that out yet. Are they really the same? I wasn't being sarcastic. I thought they were the same character. I don't know. I'm sorry, James. It's time travel stuff. Yeah. Speaking of time travel, I think it's time we traveled away from this podcast, this episode. If you want to leave, you can just say so. You don't have to get all <laughs> metaphorical with it. I'm trying to give you a hint, James. <laughs> Let's leave. <laughs> Very Carrie Bradshaw of you. I always thought I was a Samantha. We're all a Samantha on this podcast, Matt. And with that, I say, until the South rises again, I have been James. I've been Wild Man for America. And America, bless God, again. loaded up this news page and in the recent posts it says move over gays and blacks phil robertson also doesn't like muslims <laughs> it's just a photo of him wagging his finger angrily we should have done a uh, a phil robertson update that's just in phil robertson doesn't like muslims back to you james <laughs>